South Sudan in focus on the Voice of America. I'm John Tanzan Washington working on this program very much. Here are some of the top stories making news across Sudan and South Sudan this Friday, May 13, 2022. South Sudan government delegation is in Khartoum to check on the status of the Juba peace agreement. We all have seen a tragic and dangerous incident that took place in Darfur in recent days. We would like to ensure that the implementation of the Juba Peace Agreement brings peace to the entire country and in particular to our people in Darfur. And the U.S. Embassy in South Sudan is calling on the government to fire two county commissioners. Accountability should begin with the immediate removal of these commissioners from office. Leaders who fail to condemn such horrific violence and act against the officials clearly responsible must also be called to account. We'll have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. The United States Embassy in Juba is calling on the South Sudan government to fire two county commissioners and hold them accountable for recent human rights violations in Ler County of Unity State. This comes after the ceasefire and transitional security arrangements monitoring and verification mechanism concluded that the commissioners are responsible for instigating violence in Ler, which resulted in the murder of women and children rapes and destruction of entire villages and health facilities. Commissioners of Koch and Mayendid counties denied the allegations. Dengai Deng has more for VOA from Bor. In a report released last week, the ceasefire and transitional security arrangements monitoring and verification mechanism, or CITISEM, concluded that Koch County Commissioner Gordon Kong Biel and Mayendid County Commissioner Galwag Nyang were to blame for women and children being killed mass rape, and other crimes committed in Lair County. David Renz, the charge affairs at the U.S. Embassy in Juba, says the South Sudan government should remove Koch and Mayandit County commissioners from their post and hold them accountable. The violence in Lair County is beyond the pale of any civilized society. CTSAM-VM, an institution established by the peace agreement, concluded the commissioners of Koch and Mayandit are responsible for instigating violence in Lear County that resulted in the murder of women and children, mass rape, and destruction of villages and healthcare facilities. Accountability should begin with the immediate removal of these commissioners from office. Leaders who fail to condemn such horrific violence and act against the officials clearly responsible must also be called to account. Nyang stanchly denies the allegations, saying the citizen report was not based on facts. The Koch County Commissioner says he did not lead any fighting and insists armed youth from his area acted in self-defense. What the report by citizen, uh, it, is, uh, it is not true at all. Uh, because even the war does not happen in my area in Miami. It happened in, uh, in Mirmir. Well, some groups of the IO and allied groups, when they reach there in the cattle camps, they kill uh, some youth from Mayandi and they wounded some of them and they raid the cattle. That's where the problem occurs. And that's what uh, led the youth of Mayandi or Tahrir intervenes in the fighting. Nyang is urging the international community and South Sudanese not to believe the citizen report, calling it biased. 
So those who are talking about the removal of the commission of Mayandi and commission of court, please let them find the fact first before taking the decision. Because on the trip, nobody from Mayandi went to learn. This is my, 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 my understanding. Nobody from Mayandi went to learn. Better than the, those of Shiali uh, Ayo and Allied group from the youth, they came and attacked the people in their, uh, in their places. Koj County Commissioner Gordon Kong Biel also denies any responsibility for the crimes committed in Lair County. That report is not based on truth. I did not lead the youth into the fight. It was the forces of Comrade Riek Machar that caused problems in Mirmir, and they are the ones who know what they were fighting for. In mid-April, President Salva Kiir appointed a committee headed by National Water Resources Minister Manawa Peter Gatkwath to investigate the insecurity and violence in Lair County that claimed more than 40 lives and caused massive destruction and displacement. The deadline for the investigative committee to produce its reports came and went last week with no report delivered to the presidency. For VOA News, I am Deng Gaiding. In Bor. A South Sudanese delegation is in Khartoum to meet with Sudanese officials and discuss progress made in implementing the October 2020 Juba Peace Agreement. President Salva Kiir's security advisor, who leads the delegation, says recent intercommunal violence in West Darfur violates the security arrangements spelled out in the agreement. Michael Atit reports for VOA from Khartoum. Speaking to reporters upon his arrival in Khartoum last night, President Kir's security advisor, Tut Gadluak, says he was carrying a letter from Kir to head of Sudan's Sovereign Council, Abdul Fattah al-Burhan, expressing the president's concern about the political instability in Sudan. Gadluak says security arrangements laid out in the Juba peace deal should be urgently implemented and that there is an urgent need to protect civilians in Darfur. Gatluak says South Sudan remains concerned about the escalation in intercommunal fighting in the area. We all have seen a tragic and dangerous incident that took place in Darfur in recent days. We would like to ensure that the implementation of the Juba Peace Agreement brings peace to the entire country and in particular to our people in Darfur. We came to address this issue with the Sudanese government. The violence erupted in West Darfur State Krenik locality on April 24th. At least 196 people were killed during the fighting, according to the Central Committee of Sudanese Doctors. The UN Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs in Sudan, or UN OCHA, said hundreds of thousands of people were displaced during the violence. In October 2020, the Sudanese transitional government and nine other armed groups signed the Juba peace deal mediated by South Sudan officials in Juba. Under the deal, a 12,000-strong joint force was supposed to be formed within 90 days to provide security for civilians in Darfur. Gadlok says his team also came to Khartoum to follow up on the implementation of the Juba peace deal signed by members of the transitional government and armed opposition groups. We came to follow up on all issues related to the Juba peace agreement and to see the progress made towards its implementation. 
We will also discuss the current political situation in Sudan. We are here to update ourselves with the current political situation in Sudan because we want to make sure that Sudan is stable. Gadlock says the delegation will also brief Sudan's military leaders on what has been done to implement South Sudan's peace deal. We also came to update the Sudanese officials on the progress made on the revitalized peace agreement in South Sudan, including the preparations for the graduation of the unified forces in accordance with the agreement. Gadwak noted Sudan played a key role in bringing the South Sudanese parties together to reach a deal. President Kiir's security advisor says Sudan and South Sudan share a number of common interests. Our two countries are bound together in terms of security, the economy, politics and social life. Therefore, we will also engage with the concerned authorities here to discuss with them issues of trade and movement along the border between Sudan and South Sudan. The South Sudanese delegation was received by Sudanese Acting Foreign Affairs Minister Ambassador Ali Sadiq and the Secretary General for the Transitional Sovereignty Council, General Muhammad Al-Ghali Ali Yusuf. The Sudanese officials did not speak to reporters. For VOA News, I am Michael Atit in Khartoum. From Khartoum, we move to the Horn of Africa, where the UN Children's Fund, UNICEF, says a record drought in Ethiopia has led to a dramatic increase in desperate parents marrying off their children, with reported child marriages more than doubling so far this year. Linda Giftash reports. Unable to feed themselves or their families, people in Ethiopia's Somali region are fleeing to displacement camps in search of aid. They are also using any means to improve their economic situation. Nasteho Bahar Abdi married at 14, but she had to remarry this year because her first husband failed to support her and two daughters. She asks what else could she do. She says she lost all she had. She has no skills, no work. All that she had was taken by the drought. She did not get an education. She says her children are now suffering. Girls getting married before they are 18 is common culturally throughout the country. UNICEF says 40% of Ethiopian women were married at under 18. Faced with economic pressures from the drought, experts say marrying daughters can be a form of relief to families by giving them one less mouth to feed and gaining a bride price. Utpal Moitra is UNICEF Somali region chief field officer. He says there's a spike in such practices in wardas or in the administrative districts. Where the drought war had hit and was sort of notified as the hotspot wardas, we saw like 63% increase. Of course, these are sort of anecdotal what we picked up from the different wardas and talking to the communities. But the fact that that number itself gives a pretty scary situation about children. UNICEF says surveys suggest child marriages have doubled in the region, but cases could be even higher. Families do not openly discuss the issue, and marriages aren't formally registered, because legally, the minimum age for marriage in Ethiopia is 18. Advocates such as Moitra say raising awareness about the risk to girls may help to discourage the practice. We are seeing where young mothers, you know, where the, the malnutrition levels are very high and the children giving they are, the children that they are giving birth to are also sort of suffering from acute malnutrition. Keeping children in the classroom may also help protect girls from early marriage and pregnancy. 
Alanur Muhammad with Save the Children stresses the importance of education. Education is the key uh, to combat, you know, the, the, the early child marriage. You know, it keeps them busy uh, at schools. You know, we tell parents that, you know, investing in child is something that, you know, that can help them to have a good returns than having this short time, you know, economic benefits from marriage, you know, transactions, yeah. Abdi, who recently remarried, learned to raise livestock rather than going to school. Those skills have limited her and others like her amid the drought. She says she wants a different future for her daughters. She says she's planning to teach her children, take them to school when they reach school age. She says if Allah blesses her with wealth, she would love to see her children educated. Abdi says she also encourages other girls in her community to go to school rather than wed. Linda Giftash for VOA News, Godet, Ethiopia. You are listening to South Sudan in Focus on The Voice of America. Coming up, a protest against UN in DRC. Find out why after the break. What do you think? People speak out on important questions. The question today. How do you reward yourself? I'll go and buy myself maybe a pair of shoes I always desire to get. I'll go and have a meal I always desire to get. Anything. Depends on what I've achieved. By spoiling myself. Um, I'm a girl. I go buy myself clothes, shoes, do my hair, my nails. Basic things that will make me look good and happy at the end of the day. I cook a good meal. I sit down with the children. My work involves very hard work, so I get very tired. So I reward myself once every month. I do that by swimming and relaxing at the beach with my family. What do you think? A daily discussion of important questions from VOA. You are listening to South Sudan in Focus on The Voice of America. The city of Mombasa in the Eastern Democratic Republic of Congo has seen growing protests against the presence of the United Nations peacekeeping force. Since yesterday, the protesters have massed near bases used by the UN force known as MONUSCO. Reporter Jafar Al-Katanti spoke with viewers Kate Pound Dawson today about the protests. Yes, there is a problem in the city center of Mombasa territory since yesterday. Locals uh, arrested four vehicles of UN forces uh, and it's because they don't want MONUSCO to be in Mombasa. And this is the third time locals of Mombasa are doing this grumble against Monisco since 2011. Because according to them, everywhere Monisco is based, there are a security and massacre. Because Monisco do anything when, peop- when people are attacked. Since y- yesterday night, they banned many uh, locals banned many installation of UN agencies and NGOs. This morning, uh, forces, Congolese forces, police and army uh, used gunfire to 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 push civilians to go far from Monisco. And now they are reporting about many arrestation and people in jail. But according to the president of the civil society of Mombasa, he say the protests still ongoing till this moment, 
so the attack was on the MONUSCO base, and then they've been also attacking other, like, aid agencies and other UN offices and vehicles. Do we have an estimate on the injuries? How many people have been hurt? Yes, the president of civil society confirmed that there are many people injured, but they can't account them because the protests still ongoing and there are many gunshots. So he asked me to be patient till when things will be a bit quieted and he can give me the number of injured people. But he said police use uh, gun to to chase people. There's also been, in addition to the protests there in Mambuso, um, there's been a warning of a possible terrorist attack in Goma. Can you give me any information on that? Uh, yes. Yesterday, in the end of the day, uh, there was a communication from the U.S. Embassy, which was also followed by French Embassy, uh, letting people know that there is a a menace of a terrorist attack in Goma, which will be in a ferry leaving from Goma going to Bukavu. And this news terrorizes all people in Goma, you know. Uh, the city of Goma depends uh, by the city of Bukavu, and also Bukavu depends by Goma. There are at least 10 ferries living from Goma and other living from Bukavu every day and taking more than uh, 2,000 people every day across the lake from Bukavu to Goma. And when people know about the possibility of a terrorist attack in, in a boat, uh, all the city is very terrified. And this morning, I was to the port, there was not even the half of travelers at the ports, because people are afraid. They don't know when uh, that attack will be and on which ferry. That's journalist Jafar Al-Katanti in Goma, speaking with my colleague Kate Pound Dawson. You are listening to South Sudan in Focus on The Voice of America. We'd love to hear your remarks about news on this broadcast. This week, many of you weighed in on our news coverage of deadly clashes between cattle herders and host communities in eastern Equatoria and Jongle states, such as Mabor Alat, Rangu in Lake State, Rumbek, writes, Hello, viewers, South Sudan in focus. The fighting that broke out between people of Jongle State and people of eastern Equatoria state needs quick intervention from the national government. South Sudan belongs to all the 64 tribes. Therefore, it was not a mistake from God to put you together in this beautiful land. May the souls of those who perished rest in peace. Martin Maniel Wogul in Nimule Town writes, Hello Tanza and Nabil, good morning to you. Cattle keepers and host communities in Eastern Equatorial State must understand one thing. South Sudan belongs to South Sudanese citizens, regardless of where certain communities come from and accept to live side by side without conflict. May the innocent souls of people and livestock killed in recent unfortunate incident rest in perfect peace. 
Sabir Isaac in Yambio, Western Equatorial State says, Hi VOA, South Sudan in focus. It is so unfortunate that cattle keepers still haven't left Tori territory despite several orders issued by the president. It is very difficult. It is very difficult for some of us to express our desire for peace in a country like South Sudan which is highly militarized. May the souls of those who lost their relatives rest in peace and may justice prevail. Majong Dul in Block 3, Bor Town says, with the increased attacks on cattle herders in Magui County, legislators from both Jongle and Eastern Equatorial states should find a lasting solution to this barbaric manner, which has claimed both lives and property, especially unarmed civilians. A listener who refers to himself as John in Nimule Payam of Magui County in Eastern Equatorial state says, Hello VOA, today again more violence erupted between cattle herders and the host community, which led to the loss of life. Eastern Equatorial state governor, please do something to stop this violence. For how long do you want our citizens to die? Samuel Remo in Yei writes, Hello VOA, South Sudan in focus. We indigenous people of South Sudan were shocked to hear the sad news over the radio that there is no hope for peace in the country. My question to the international community is, where do they want us to go? Mading Malwal along from Malakal town says, our people are fighting each other along tribal bases and South Sudanese government is borrowing a lot of money from other countries which are not rich in terms of resources but have good management. The two priorities for our country, South Sudan, are managing resources and creating better system to eradicate this narrative. Bali Vaston from Juba writes, Hi John Tanza. The arrest of Ram by organized forces in Lake State for knocking a 45-year-old woman to death sounds funny. Instead, instead of arresting the Ram owner, they end up detaining the Ram. Will wonders never end? May the innocent soul of the deceased rest in peace. Chol Philip Trang in Bortown, Jongle State says, Hello VOA News, I want to know why should the government sell oil in advance? And where has the money gone? After the oil was sold in advance, did the government use the money on developmental projects such as roads, health and education? No, I don't believe so. I hope the government did not use the money on personal projects. But let me remind all elites in the government of South Sudan who are just plundering our resources without proper transparency. People will ask you to be accountable and face justice. James Rai Majok in Unity State Bantu writes, Hi Nabil and John Tanza, happy Eid al-Fitr to all Muslims across the globe. Despite that, things are not going well in South Sudan due to insecurity. Robert Nyombe from Uganda's Yumbe district says, Hello, VOA. I stand with my fellow South Sudanese who are demonstrating in front of the White House to give pressure to the U.S. government to interfere with South Sudan government. I hope the demonstration will be effective. We are hungry for peace and want to get back home since home is the best place to live. These comments expressed here do not reflect the views of VOA or this program. We appreciate hearing from you. Keep your comments brief and we'll air some of them every Friday. Our WhatsApp number is plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. 
Next, an editorial reflecting the views of the United States government. It's been 27 years since authorities of the People's Republic of China, the PRC, abducted a six-year-old Tibetan boy and his family. Three days before he disappeared in May 1995, the Dalai Lama, Tibetan Buddhist spiritual leader, designated Getun Chiki Nima as the 11th Panchen Lama, the second most revered figure in Tibetan Buddhism. After his abduction, the PRC selected another boy to be a more politically satisfactory Panchen Lama. At six years old, Getun Chiki Nima was called the youngest political prisoner in the world. Neither he nor his family has been seen in public since their abduction, and their whereabouts are unknown. On the occasion of his 33rd birthday on April 25th, the United States called on PRC authorities to immediately account for Getun Chikinima's whereabouts and well-being. In a statement, Ned Price, State Department spokesperson, said the Panchen Lama must be allowed to fully exercise his human rights and fundamental freedoms. Tragically, many Tibetans are barred from exercising their human rights and fundamental freedoms under the rule of the Chinese Communist Party. The State Department's most recent human rights report on China notes, outside observers examined publicly available information and, as of late May, identified between 500 and 2,000 Tibetans known or believed to be detained or imprisoned by PRC authorities in violation of international human rights standards. Standards. The State Department also noted, in accordance with government guidance on ethnic assimilation, PRC state policies continue to disrupt traditional Tibetan culture, living patterns, and customs. As State Department spokesperson Ned Price stated, the United States supports Tibetans' religious freedom and their unique religious, cultural, and linguistic identity, including Tibetans' right to select educate and venerate their own leaders, like the Dalai Lama and the Panchen Lama, according to their own beliefs and without government interference. That was an editorial reflecting the views of the United States government. That's all we prepared for you on this rainy Friday here in Washington. We now end this show with Simon Cairo and the song Bambe Makaymot. Zaman motorose de mate turu dumara Zaman matarase de mate turu dumara Bambe mokaimo moya hilo wasaki Bambe mokaimo moya hilo wasaki Washini dunga moyan me pare Washini dunga moyan me pare Aparo e miajirojini kusande na kwario 
Espere karanga jumpa na wawawana Bambe makaimo moya garwa sake Sikiri adabu sede marana madairu Sikiri adabu sede marana madairu Zaman barati sede marana madairu Ya 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 baiguli chugwa ya 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 baiguli chugwa ya Washini dunga mayan mefale Washini dunga mayan mefale ndeku Kandara kamsa ginyia kamu nifungaru fale Kandara shara genia Kamu nifungaru fale Bambe makaimo moya hilo asake Bambe makaimo moya hilo asake Ya 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 Baiguli chugwa ya Shikiri adabu sede marana madairu We have been listening to Simon Kero and the song Bambe Makaimot. I'm John Tanza in Washington. Thanks for taking time to be with us this evening. Join us again next week for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America. Zaman motoro sede matatoro dumara Zaman motoro sede matatoro dumara